0: The college football playoff will expand to 12 teams in 2024, but what if it happened right now? What if the playoff was expanded today? How many SEC teams would we be talking about as potential playoff qualifiers? Welcome into SEC Football Unfiltered, our podcast from the USA Today Network. I'm Blake Topmeyer, as always, with John Adams. We will, a little bit later, get into some conversation about the three teams remaining from the SEC in the NCAA tournament. Are your brackets busted? I hope not. hope you still get a chance in your respective bracket pools. But before we get to the hoops talk, I'm going to start with a little football. John, we are a year and a half away from the 12-team playoff, and so this is it. This is it for the four-teamer. What will be the lasting legacy of the four-team playoff as as we get into its 10th its and final installment this year. It just wasn't enough, was it?
1: Had to go bigger. Think of all those years, uh, all the years, I mean, that I've been in this business and all the clamoring all along for a playoff. Finally, you got a championship game. Then finally, you got a four-team playoff. Now you got to have twelve teams. So, uh, can sixteen really be that far away? I don't yep. think so. Uh, but yeah, the twelve-team playoff, we can we can envision it now. But it's interesting to me how it it just took forever to have a championship game, and once that was pulled off the pace quickened significantly in getting to a, a four-team playoff. And even when you go to the a uh, 12-team playoff, there's going to be a 13th and a 14th team that said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You look at our resume and you look at the number 11 and number 12 teams and you took them? Oh, my gosh.
0: Okay, let's expand to 16. You know, John, I've, I've I've gone through some of the math here of the nine-year playoff era we've had here as a four-team iteration, and I've applied the 12-team rules toward those seasons. As we know, to review, a 12-team playoff is not going to simply be the top 12 teams in the rankings. There are going to be six automatic bids for the six best conference champions, in theory, that would be five power five champions plus one group of five champion, but it's not required to that be, to be that way. If for some reason one of the power five conferences is just so utterly terrible that uh, the pollsters think there are, are two group of five champions that are better than, than they would get two of the automatic bids, but there will be six automatic bids and six at large selections when this 12 team playoff comes into place in 2024. So applying that, I went back throughout the last nine seasons to figure out how many bids the SEC would have got during that nine-year span. Now, I wrote about that in a column. I'm not so arrogant to think, John, that you read every one of my columns. So I'm assuming you didn't read what I wrote. That's fine. How many teams would you guess that in those nine years, the SEC would have qualified for the playoffs? if it were a 12-team playoff under these rules?
1: Oh, it would probably have averaged about
0: three or four a year. See, I would I would have thought that too, about three and a half, maybe up to four. In the past nine years, they would have tallied 25 bids. So not too far off, but you're overshooting in a little bit. And I would have done the same before I did the homework. It's 25 bids they would have gotten in the past nine years, an average of 2.8. Per year, what's interesting is the Big Ten would have got twenty-six bids during that span. So the Big Ten actually would have had one more bid during that period than the SEC. I I think that's what's going to unfold here. I think the SEC is going to gobble up a lot of the bids. The Big Ten is going to gobble up a lot of the bids, and you're going to have the Big Ten and the SEC maybe claiming as many as. Uh, seven spots in in the in the playoffs and the other the other conferences will fight for the scraps which mostly is going to go to conference champions
1: well uh, yeah I would have thought see I think of the SEC still as being better than the Big Ten year in and year out and I think most people do yeah because they win the championship. Yeah, sure. I mean, mm-hmm. and then they put the most players in the NFL. They they have the highest ranked recruiting classes. It's all SEC all the time. So, it, I think one of the keys in this in this system is is how your how your conference aligns. If you're trying, if your goal is to get the most teams in the playoffs, the most teams, what you'd like to have, or four or five, really good teams, and then a few really bad ones, and then a bunch of mediocre ones. You would kind of like to draw a line after about five teams. And I say these teams are obviously better than everybody else. And if they can play up to that potential, then to me you have more of a chance to get, say, four teams in the playoff. Uh, And I think when I look at the SEC this year, when you presented me with your question, which I assume we will get to at some point in this podcast, uh, you're just setting setting the table now. Um, then I think Tennessee has, I look at it as a, a four-team. There's, to me, a four-team group that if you're having a 12-team playoff, those four teams would be in the running. And then I see a line of demarcation, and below that line
0: – there's nobody that I would project as a playoff contender. Okay, so that, let's let's return to that question off the top then. I said, how many teams would we be talking about as playoff contenders if the 12-team playoff was in place? You are implying then that the SEC's four likeliest, it would probably get four teams. You're, you're saying Alabama, I assume, Georgia, LSU, and Tennessee. Am I reading into that? Yes. correctly uh-huh. Uh-huh. okay and, and so that that's fine I, I think those are, are maybe the likeliest projections how different do you think that conversation is versus a four team playoff could we say here in the preseason that all four of those teams have a fairly realistic chance of making a four team playoff or, or how much does your perspective altered by knowing hey there's gonna be six at-large bids? The SEC is getting, a, getting one from its conference champion. We know their, their conference champion is going to be taken every year. And then there's six at-large bids to, to fight for. How, how much does your perspective change, you know, going from four teams to, to 12 teams?
1: Uh, significantly,
0: because of its four teams, I see two.
1: I see uh, Georgia and LSU in in a, uh, you know, together is, is – kind of the elite programs this season in the conference, Georgia number one, LSU number two. I would I would
0: put them above Alabama and Tennessee. See, I would go deeper, John, if we were talking about possibilities for a 12-team playoff this year from the SEC. I, I think you, know, you mentioned four, and I, I agree with all those. But I think if it were a 12-team playoff, you could at least enter into the conversation Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and maybe even South Carolina. If you're buying stock in South Carolina based on the end of last season, beating Tennessee, beating Clemson, lost to Notre Dame but a competitive bowl game, if you're believing that South Carolina with, with returning quarterback Spencer Rattler could be poised for a big on... I mean, remember, to go to make a 12-team playoff, I believe 9-3 and puts you in into contention for a 12-team playoff. There would have been several teams over the years that if we had a 12-team playoff in place, there would have been multiple teams over the years from the SEC qualified with three losses for a 12-team playoff. I, I think the list goes deeper. What, what do you think about those three I threw out there? A&M, Ole Miss and South Carolina, at least being in the preseason conversation as maybe being a, an at-large playoff contender in a 12-team field?
1: Well, um, South Carolina, no chance. I, I don't – and as if you remember, I was touting South Carolina before last season. Uh, didn't start out the way I thought it would, but finished strong and, and got some good publicity, and Spencer Rattler played as well as – just about any quarterback in the last few games, but I still see the overall depth of talent there is significantly below the big four that I mentioned this season. So South Carolina just doesn't have enough overall talent. oh Miss uh, I think has a better shot at it, but uh, we saw Ole Miss this past season start out great and it was a, It's record, I think, 7-0 and was creation of the schedule. It was inflated by the schedule. As it turned out, it just wasn't that good. And if uh, Ole Miss could have had Matt Corral back at quarterback last year, maybe it would have been – could have done more. And maybe if Matt Corral would come back again and play in 2023, I would consider it. But, no, I'm not going that way with Ole Miss. A&M – um I think AM will be markedly better. It will be the most improved team in the SEC, but I am just not ready to say AM is based on its history, its playoff ready. I know I know a 12 it would have made a 12 team f- playoff uh, a few years back based on its record. Uh, but I'm not willing to say that. I, I just still see a big difference in those big four teams. In the next grouping, so I'm I'm not ready to go there yet.
0: So you're not buying my argument for any of these teams. You you, no, you no, have a, no. a firm four team <laughs> list for the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I just want those teams to stay in their place,
1: and you know they can do a little better, and A uh, and M can do a lot better, but don't challenge it. And, and look at A and M; it's got to play LSU, Alabama. And in the East, one of its East opponents is Tennessee in Knoxville. So those three games to me knock AM out of the discussion of 12 team playoff.
0: Go nine and three. You could get in.
1: Uh, I know, but if it goes nine and three against that schedule, what's its marquee win? Why do you want AM in the playoff?
0: That's true. Yeah. If you're going to get in at nine and three, you, you need probably a, a pretty good win. The 12-team playoff, though, I think over the course of time opens up playoff contention to a much bigger number of teams. So as I said, we've had the four-team playoff for nine years. During that nine-year stretch, if the 12-team playoff were in place, nine SEC teams would have qualified for the playoff at least once. Making multiple appearances would of course been Alabama and Georgia. They've made multiple appearances in, in the four team playoff. They would have made multiple appearances in the twelve team playoff, quite obviously. Uh, Florida would have made three appearances. LSU and Ole Miss would have made multiple appearances in a twelve-team playoff. Also qualifying for a 12-team playoff in that span would have been Auburn. Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. So the only teams that would not have qualified for a 12-team playoff in the last nine years from the SEC would have been Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. That's what, to me, makes the 12-team playoff so appealing, is it opens up postseason possibilities to a lot of programs that in a four-team format, really, really don't have much chance of 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 of, of realistic playoff contention. You know, you, yeah. you might have a great year and go to a Sugar Bowl like you know Ole Miss did a couple years ago with Corral, but to make the playoff in a four-team format, mm, come on. But a twelve-team, I think that changes changes the perspective for a lot of programs. One of the things I like about it, Blake, in a league as competitive as the
1: SEC, is you you have a tough early schedule in this league and you lose to Georgia and lose to LSU. You got two losses, but you're preaching that nine and three sermon. Nine and three will get you there. So you don't bag it. You just say, okay, yeah, we lost those games. But we're starting over now. It's a new season, and we got a chance of making the playoffs. We need to win out. We take care of our business. We'll be there. So I think that that let that keeps hope alive a little longer, and I think that's always good in, in the SEC when you have more teams, more fan bases, or at least hopeful. And, and one of the things. um that I, I concerns me a little bit about a twelve team t- playoff, and I'm for it. But more teams, more games, greater risk of losing your number one player. I think, I think the chances of winning a play, the best team prevailing in a twelve team playoff, are now diminished. If you have a four team playoff, let's take Georgia. Last couple of years, I mean, Georgia was the best team and it won. But um, what if Stetson Bennett goes down in that first first round victory? I, I just think that that could be a problem. Some that's going to happen to somebody at some point in a twelve team playoff. You lose your quarterback, and it's going to knock you out. And if you happen to also be the best team and you lose your quarterback you won't win the championship.
0: How much does that bother you, John, as not only someone who covers college football, but someone who's a a fan of the the sport? The fact that, as you said, really since we've had the BCS era through the four-team playoff era where we've had a, a declared champion, it's not disputed by the polls, we've had a champion since dating back to the BCS era. I think almost every year, I don't I don't I can't even think of an exception off the top of my head. Really almost every year we come out of the season thing thinking, you know what? The best team won the national championship. In other sports, whether it be college or the pros, that's often not the case. I mean, one of the most beloved sporting events our country has is going on right now, in March Madness. It is celebrated for its upsets, its buzzer beaters, its 16 seeds taking down a number 1 seed and fans love it. Like I said, it's one of it's one of the most celebrated sporting events we have, and nobody, nobody at the end of the thing says, you know what, gosh, that was a really exciting tournament, but I hate that the best team didn't win it, or I, I hate that I don't know if, you know, maybe that one seed that that lost in the second round or the first round, maybe maybe they really should have won it. Nobody worries about that. They enjoy the tournament, they love it, and they watch it every year. Does it bother you? You think it should bother fans? That one byproduct of playoff expansion might be that a little more often in college football, there's at least a debate of, eh, did the best team really win the championship?
1: See, I don't, I don't equate football and basketball. And maybe it's because I'm conditioned to that, but, but I go back to following college basketball when UCLA's dynasty was going full speed ahead and it went every year. And the hope in playing against John Wooden's teams was that maybe you could keep it close, kind of like Connecticut's great teams in women's basketball. I think back to when all this, when before there was a playoff, and, and you wanted to see bowl games that would give you the top two teams. And why did you want to see that? You wanted to see, at least I did, I wanted to see the best team get its just reward. And you can't help but pull for underdogs in a competitive game. But then when you look back and you think, well, you know, that other team was really better. I thought it really deserved to win. Uh, So I think that would bother me uh, if, for example, last year, I thought Georgia was the best team. Now, it barely was the best team. That Ohio State game was a classic, and Ohio State easily could have won it. And it looked like the better team for much of that game. But it, did, it didn't win. It couldn't make the plays at the end of the game. But it could also say, well, it lost its star wide receiver. So you want to make that argument, was Georgia really the best team? I still think it was. So I don't feel so bad for Ohio State. It had its chance. It just didn't win. But I think sometimes, particularly if the champion if the best team doesn't get to the championship game, I think in this setup, I think that will bother me a little.
0: We this this prediction very well may be proven wrong, but I, I think because of the nature of the sport, and footballs such an a talent a talent assembly game and and usually the teams with the most talent win the game. I mean, happens almost all the time. team team with more talent wins much much more is that the case than in college basketball where we often see upsets, and it's not shocking to see a team with less talent win a game. I think what's going to happen in the playoff is we may see some upsets in that first round. you know, maybe the uh, what the seven verse eleven, or I guess it would be the six verse eleven game in the first round. The seven verse ten, the eight verse nine games. We we might see some upsets in that first round, but I think those top teams, those teams that get the bye into the quarterfinals, you know, your four best conference champions that earn the bye, I think most years your conference or your national champion is going to come from, you know, one of the top few. T- Seeded teams and the upsets are going to fade after the first round, and I still think more years than not, maybe not as often as now, because now I think we always end up with the most deserving champion. I think most years, when we're at the end of this twelve-team playoff, we're going to say, you know what? There was a couple fun upsets in there. That was that was a nice little little distraction, I guess, something fun to watch on the opening weekend, but in the end. The green rose to the top, and and it was a very deserving national champion. Do you agree with that, or, or do you think there will be, maybe more often than I'm letting on, we'll have some underdog team emerge out of a 12-team playoff?
1: No, I don't think it would be a freakish thing if the best teams, or at least the top two teams, that one of them didn't win. And to me, it would be a key injury, uh, a quarterback loss. Uh, if you look back on last season and look at the 14 playoff, to me, that playoff showed us Georgia and Ohio State were in a class by themselves. I, and however, TCU is god-awful as it looked against Georgia. Uh, I mean, it looked as though it had never played the sport. But if you if you went back and look at what TCU did and how it got to that championship game and watched it during the regular season, you would certainly say TCU's one of the 12 best, team, 12 best teams. I don't think anybody would question that, regardless of how bad Georgia beat it. So I, I think there's still going to be that upper crust, that top tier with just a very few teams, and in some years it might just be two. And in some years it might just be one. There there were seasons when Alabama to me was clearly head and shoulders above everybody, some of its best teams. That LSU team that won the national championship uh with Joe Burrow at quarterback, it was it was in a league of its own. There there was any anybody to beat that team, it would have just been something strange would have had to happen. It was just better than everybody else. So I agree with what you're saying. I think the very best team still has a really good shot of winning. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe my fear is misplaced. Uh, the idea that, uh, you know, but I, about the injury, but I think that's the only way it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't win. And, and I thought with Georgia last year, of course we follow the SEC. So you identify with the SEC and you think it's the best conference. Um, uh, but if Georgia hadn't won, you could have lived with it losing to Ohio State because Ohio State managed to play for play the whole game. But if it had lost to somebody else, it wouldn't be like
0: you thought the best team won. Well, some of who we thought were the best teams are not winning in, in March Madness, as is so often the, the case as we transition here from, from football Uh, To hoops, Purdue is out, number one seed. Kansas is out, which the top two-seeded teams, Alabama and Houston, are still in this tournament, and they still have a chance to be on a collision course for the national championship. They're on opposite sides of the bracket. But as we talked about this, at the time it was a 68-team field last week, John, when we were discussing it, we talked about the eight qualifiers from the sec they tied a record with eight qualifiers throw the parade pop the bubbly you know let's celebrate it and then once the tournament begins all that sort of fades away you know you don't look (laughs) back on it five years after the tournament was over and say you know who had the most tournament qualifiers that year (laughs) was this conference you remember who wins the dang thing right and so we were talking about last week how many teams from the sec could actually go on a run how many teams could actually go to the final four and we agreed at that time that really Alabama was the only team, as we saw having, you know, shy of something bizarre happening, Final Four caliber potential. But now three of the three of those eight qualifiers from the SEC are still alive in the Sweet 16. It's been a pretty good run for the conference. Joining Alabama in the Sweet 16 is Tennessee and Arkansas. So as you look at it now, it's just a 16-team tournament now. The tournament sort of resets, and you have to view in regions, matchups, who stands in your way, the Final Four. Do you change your opinion at all and think, hey, maybe Tennessee or Arkansas joins Alabama and having a somewhat realistic chance of, of reaching the Final Four?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, I, I don't know about Arkansas, but I really think it the – Tennessee's path is very favorable. I think Tennessee got it. If you're going to be in a region, and you know you're going to have, if you're a four seed as Tennessee was, you're going to have to pay, play the number one seed in uh, in the Sweet 16, which region would you want to be in? Well, it was pretty obvious to me. I think pretty much everybody saw it that way. Purdue was clearly the weakest of the top three seeds. And uh, if I couldn't have been in with Purdue, I would have wanted to have been in with Kansas. As good as Kansas basketball has been and the championships it's won, it's also gone out early in this tournament. It's also had seasons where it went out early in big upsets. It's feast
0: feast or famine, it seems like, for for Kansas. You're right.
1: And, And so those were the... And Arkansas took advantage of that. Uh, to me, Tennessee, I think, I thought Duke would make the Final Four. That A fifth seed, that's how weak I thought that regional was. And when Tennessee beat Duke, well, okay, it's not complicated. To me, it's the best team left. And uh, it should make the Final Four. I can't say that about Arkansas. I've seen Arkansas look really good at times, but It's also looked really bad at times. I I just couldn't trust it uh, making the final four.
0: And I think Eric Eric Musselman continues to prove himself as an excellent NCAA tournament coach. He's now made the Sweet 16 four times, including one appearance with Nevada. And then now he's gone to three straight with Arkansas. The last two years, he reached the Elite Eight. But at some point, you know, in, in each of these runs, it has it has faded before the final four, and I, I think that's that's probably likely in this case because you have the number two seed UCLA, you have the three seed Gonzaga, both those teams loom in a potential lead eight, and then they have UConn, who's playing, at, at really about as well as any team in this tournament through two games. UConn was uh, was was strong against Iona, particularly after halftime. Um, They picked apart St. Mary's. I I think that Yukon matchup is going to be really, really tough for Arkansas. Um, Getting back to them in a moment, though, I want to turn the attention to Alabama. Alabama, top overall seed. Here they are, to no surprise, in the Sweet 16. The two-seed Arizona bowed out in round one. Third-seeded Baylor went out in round two. Alabama... I mean, they're they're the safest bet, I think, of any of the 16 teams remaining to make the Final Four. If I have a concern with Alabama, it's this analytics-based approach that Nate Oates uses that has been very effective for him throughout the course of his career. But it's this trendy approach of you don't shoot anything from 10 or 12 or 15 feet. You shoot either three-pointers or you shoot it from a foot and a half away from the rim. And they shoot a lot of three-pointers. I mean, of all the teams in this field that are left, these 16 remaining teams, Alabama shoots more three-pointers than any of them. And we saw against Maryland, Maryland really defended the three-point line well. Alabama was not in its normal three-point game. Alabama still won with ease. They relied on their defense, and they got it done. But what if you know, they have an off shooting night or a team defends them really well at the three-point line, and maybe their defense isn't so strong or their opponent gets hot from the perimeter. That, to me, if if I have any concern about Alabama, you know, and their chance to go on a deep run, I think that's it. Is It's just how reliant they are, you know, on, on the, the three-point shot.
1: Uh, that's a valid concern. Uh, and I thought Alabama, though, was the most complete team going into the going into the tournament. However, that's when Houston's best player, Marcus Sasser, was injured. And we didn't know the severity of it. If not for that, I would have probably picked Houston. I like Houston in this tournament. And if it's at full speed, I think it's a versatile team that can do a lot of things. And it can play some shutdown defense. I think that would be a great matchup in the finale if it comes to that. But uh, I put, uh, I put uh, Houston right up there with Alabama.
0: John, I spent Thursday and Friday of last week uh, watching the games with a few friends in Kentucky. A couple of those guys are big UK fans. So <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, and let me tell you, up in, up in Kentucky, there, there, are, there are portions of, of Big Blue Nation there that they've already moved on. Past John Calipari, they don't they don't know when this tenure is going to end. But mentally, they've moved on, and they're already thinking about who the heir apparent could be whenever that time might come. Now, I don't think it's going to come right now. John Calipari has a forty one million dollar buyout. Um, now he's got a golden parachute job waiting for him in the administration when he wants it. I don't know that he wants it just yet, and I don't think Kentucky is is ready to move on just yet. But yet, yeah, let's say. Let's say that did happen. Let's say Cal said, you know what? It's been a nice run here at Kentucky. Hasn't been as good as I would have liked the past few years. Kentucky fans deserve better than this. I'm going to take that golden parachute job and move aside. Who would you eye or think about as a as a potential replacement for Calipari if that job were to be open? One of the biggest jobs in the land We've seen how good Kentucky could be. They were awfully good at one point during the Calipari era. It hasn't been that good the past several years. Who, who comes to mind when you think about that?
1: Well, he's been in the news lately. He just took another job going from Iona owner to St. John's. You bring back Rick Pitino. He loves the big stage. He won a national championship at Kentucky. Uh, so to me, if, if Rick were a little younger, I would go back to Rick Pitino. I guess almost the first guy that comes to mind is the one we've already talked about, and that's Eric Musselman. Kentucky does not view basketball from a one-loss record perspective. It's did you hang a banner, and it's not getting to the final four. It's winning a national championship. That, That does not appease them to go to the final four. Now, it might after the after the hard times of late. But you look at, to me, the first thing you got to do is look at somebody who's good in the tournament. And Eric Musselman from the SEC is one of the first guys that comes to mind. And I'm trying to think of somebody. Do you have, is there, to you, is there an obvious
0: person to you? I would have said Musselman and, and maybe... Maybe I was leading you down a path at some point here. I, I don't know, but no, I, I you think-
1: weren't. No, yeah. I he was I, I just think, Blake, the other thing is can you handle the mass hysteria that just floats above the Kentucky program? I, I mean, really we say winning the national championship is all that's good enough. It's really winning multiple national championships. It's not just winning one. So, I mean, you're not going to get Bill Self away from Kansas. You're not going to leave Kansas. You get Coach K to come out of retirement.
0: I don't know. And, so. and, and, and Jay Wright looked awfully, awfully comfortable in that, <laughs> that studio set there. In um, that Florida,
1: the- that Hawaii shirt. Yeah, I thought he, he did too. Uh, so, I, I just. It's funny we both think a muscleman. I'm just trying to think. Um...
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be someone from the old guard if that it were to come open. You know, say sometime in the next couple of years. I, I don't think it's. You know, if you could turn back the clock on Rick Pitino 15 years, uh, that that might be appealing. <laughs> but you, you can't do that, and so I don't. I don't think it's going to come from. I don't think Jay Wright's going to ride out of out of retirement and, and save Kentucky basketball. And you look at Musselman. And, okay, the knock against him is, well, how many Final Fours has he been to? Well, no, he hasn't been to any. Um, But he's taken an Arkansas program that was going nowhere under Mike Anderson, and he quickly took it to -to back-to-back Elite Eights, and now he has it in the Sweet 16. He took Nevada to three straight NCAA tournaments, including a Sweet 16. And the other thing, John, recruiting. You know Kentucky fans, they celebrate two things, national championships and recruiting classes. Well, you look at what Musselman's doing at Arkansas in recruiting, he's recruited very well there. And you think about all those those standout freshmen who are kind of growing up in front of our eyes here in the NCAA tournament. Well, that's a byproduct of the nation's number two ranked recruiting class in this past cycle. These are the guys that are that are freshmen now that are, that are becoming the stars of this tournament. You know, Nick Smith, Anthony Black, Jordan Walsh. They were members of the number two ranked recruiting class in the country. Kentucky was behind them. Now, that's one class, but we've seen he's a pretty good recruiter. And as I said, at, at Kentucky, you have to be. Now, you have some built-in advantages when you're the coach of Kentucky. Uh, in a way, Kentucky, to an extent, recruits itself. John Calipari is also a very good recruiter. On top of that, it's it's sort of an unstoppable recruiting force. But I, I think that's the other thing with Musselman that makes him appealing is, A, and you mentioned this, you have to be a good tournament coach if you're at Kentucky. Winning in the regular season is not enough. B, I think he can sign some dang good recruiting classes at Kentucky as well.
1: Well, Blake, again, I know it it seems pretty provincial, Winning, we narrow our choices down to the SEC. What if Nate Oates wins a national championship at Alabama? I mean, wouldn't he be in the discussion?
0: I think he probably would. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know that you don't make a hire based on this. I think his analytics based approach, you know, all those those three pointers, uh, no mid range game. I think that could be an adjustment for uh, for some members of the the big blue nation there. I, I don't know how do you think you know, one of the most storied programs, a very well versed fan base uh, you know we talk about SEC fan bases that are uh, you know football football first it's God country and football some <laughs> some pecking order of those three. Kentucky's the exception and and it's God country and basketball. Yeah, you know, how do you think they'd go over with this this new age three point uh, bonanza? I guess if you're winning winning championships, they'll they'll be just fine with it.
1: Yeah, winning championships and signing a Brandon Miller every year would do it. Uh, I think though, I mean, Kentucky fans, a lot of them, and this is where it differs from every other place in the SEC. They can break down the the game of the twelfth man on that team. They'll break it down in graphic detail. As to what he can and can't do and why he should even or should not be on the roster. But I think I'm going back to again, Rick Patino era. Rick Patino, his greatest team to me, didn't win the national championship. It came up short, it made the final four, but it had this incredible run through the NCAA tournament and the SEC tournament. I covered every one of those games. I've never seen a team shoot like it did for that many games, it and it did it on three-point shooting. Rick Patino, any player who didn't take a three-point shot when he was open, you're out of the game. You know, hit the pine, you're done. That was a rule, a hard and fast rule, and his post players could hit threes. So I don't know if a three-point game would bother Kentucky fans that much because that's how it won – a lot of games with Rick Patino and and we get that forget that because that's been about 30 years ago. Uh, so I don't think that would be an issue. And I don't know another factor in this with the coach. He can't just be a really good coach. I remember Eddie Sutton many years ago back in the 80s when he took the Kentucky job. Great great career, he very successful at Arkansas. He really struggled with the expectations at Kentucky. Again, it's not going, it's not about going 27-3. It's not about making the final four every now and then. It's about putting another banner up in Rupp Arena. And it all goes back to the dynasty that that Adolph Rupp Rupp built decades ago. So that's the expectation. You have to have, and not that many guys can handle that. John Calipari can handle that. Rick Pitino could handle that. And other than Adolph Rupp, to me, all the other coaching hires Kentucky made, those coaches couldn't handle that. But those guys could, and it, it to me, it has to be that kind of personality. And I don't know about Eric Musselman in terms of his personality how he would deal with that. Uh, and I don't know about how Nate Oates would handle it, but the expectations there are just different than anywhere else.
0: It's it's so true. It's particularly in this conference, but, you know, I mean, really, you could throw in a handful of other schools around the country that are, that are even in that conversation in terms of basketball expectations comparable to Kentucky. All right, John. Final, final thing here. We got 16 teams left in this event. As I mentioned, three from the SEC, Alabama, Tennessee, and Arkansas. Who at this point is your championship game matchup? Who are you picking? And how many teams do you have in the final four from the SEC?
1: Well, I'll put Alabama and Tennessee in uh, uh, from the SEC in the final four. Mm-hmm. It's just Tennessee has the easiest road to me and uh, Alabama's the the best team. Uh, I think it'll be the two best teams are uh, Alabama and uh, Houston and that's how it'll play out. Um, I still wonder about Ucla though. Um, Ucla lost its point guard going into the tournament. And I don't think in terms of coaches at Ucla, I think in terms of players that those guys have really been good at times in the MCA tournament. And, and I'm, I'm talking post-dynasty days, of course. Uh, it hadn't had a dynasty for many decades, but I've just seen UCLA players rise to the occasion. Not the same guys, but I've seen that those teams do it. So if I'm going to pick somebody else as a, outlier I'd probably pick UCLA even though it lost its point guard
0: yeah as I look at this bracket I, I think I think it's going to be Alabama in in the national championship game I don't know who they're going to see when they make it there because you know on the on the left side of the bracket it's been kind of upsets galore we got a 15 seed in Princeton and in, in the sweet 16 <laughs> uh that's the side of the bracket Fairly Dickinson won on we got Florida Atlantic in, in the sweet 16 the right side of the bracket most of the best teams we lost Kansas from, from the field. Most of the best teams though are are still in the tournament on the right side of the bracket. I could see any number of those teams uh, being in, in the national championship game, but I, I do think I don't I don't see anybody stopping Alabama until maybe maybe the championship or as I said, maybe they they combine a cold three point shooting night with a hot opponent. Any, anybody could be susceptible to that we'll continue to follow it be back to discuss next week and of course we'll keep our eye on the football happenings around the conferences this is sec football unfiltered thanks for listening just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left